Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800 State Farm. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you, I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! We might be the original Thursday night football, but tis the time of the season, Ron Wolfley, where we're not the only game in town, the only football on air let there be nfl action tonight the hall of fame game we've been there and done that canton ohio in early august have we not in fact last time we were in canton ohio for the hall of fame game i'm gonna name drop here you ready for this ron wolf no i'm not balling your nemesis from your entire playing career oh i don't know arguably the greatest defensive player ever (laughs) for the new york giants Uh it was, the, Taylor. it was the second half, and somebody was kicking into the kicking net on the Cardinals' sideline, and I'm like, well, who's that? Because it's definitely not one of the Cardinals' kickers. And I turn around, and it's LT. <laughs> LT, just he had a cigar in one hand, and he had a beverage in the other, and he was decided to work on his place kicking in the Cardinals' net on the sideline of the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> just can't even believe that, but LT does what LT does on a football <laughs> yes, field, and you let him do it, Paulie. Nobody's telling him otherwise on a gridiron, that's for sure. It's the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, soon to be joined by Will Hernandez. I don't see a lot of people telling Will Hernandez what to do either, <laughs> lest they risk their uh, well-being. Put you it know that what, way. Paulie, honestly, once again, I just want to say this. I've said this before, and you know this, but if you go back and you look at the nine games that Will Hernandez played last year, I'm telling you, Paulie, I do believe over the course of those nine games, he was the most consistent offensive lineman the Arizona Cardinals had before he got hurt. I'm I'm, I'm bullish on Will Hernandez. I love his physicality. I love the mentality that he has. I love him at right guard right now. I'm expecting big things from Will Hernandez. Let's get right into it. Second padded practice today here at Cardinals camp, right? Powered by Cox. And it was O-line, D-line drills. Yes. Will Hernandez fared very well. In fact, there was one Titanic matchup, him against Lecky Fotu. That's about 700 pounds of dude right there, those two going at it. And That's so, a lot of beef jerky. Yeah, that was a heavyweight tilt right there. But it's his new right tackle. It's Paris Johnson Jr. It was Paris Johnson Jr. early, his first rep O-line, D-line drills, getting schooled <laughs> by Dennis Garda. I saw that, Paulie, with the spin move. And then you could tell he wasn't happy. And so then midway through, he took care of a couple of guys, but you, he still had his eye on 45. <laughs> he wanted Dennis Gardeck again. He wanted the rematch. Okay, I missed that, Paulie. 
and they got the rematch. It was the second-to-last rep of O-line, D-line, and Paris Johnson Jr., boom, he stoned him. <laughs> he just tied him up and then and then sort of finished him at the end. Sort of went Will Hernandez because Will has a tendency to finish some of those blocks and throw a guy down to the ground at the very end. <laughs> and then Garnett got up, and they dapped it up, and the coaches came in, and boom, that was a great rap to O-line, D-line. Yeah, no, that is, that's the way it ought to be, Paulie, right there, honestly. And if Paris Johnson Jr. did not respond in that way because I saw him. I saw him get beat on that spin move, and it was it was a great move by Dennis Gardick. That would have been a sack right there. It really would have. That's how quickly Dennis Gardick, the barbarian, that's how quickly he got that inside right there. But Paris Johnson Jr., I like to see that, Paul. That shows me a little something right there. He's got a little sting coming out of the side of his neck. That's what you got to have if you want to play this game well. And look, the right side of the O-line, I think, is decided. It's Will Hernandez. It's Paris Johnson Jr. Who's starting at center? Right now it's Yolda Froholt, but Pat Elfline, who has 40 career starts as center, is slowly making his way up the depth chart, running second-team center today. So we'll see where that's tracking. John Gaines, the fourth-round rookie out of UCLA, who was second-team center, is now running second-team guard. I saw that, Paulie. That was really interesting right there to me because now all of a sudden they moved him behind Will Hernandez, did they yep. not? That's that's great for John Gaines. It really is because I think he'll have the opportunity to develop. He's not going to compete with Will Hernandez for the starting position. That's, I think, something that is done strategically by, JG and maybe even Monty Ford in on that to move them over and let those two centers Froholt and Elfline let them go at it. Uh, Keytrell Clark had a good practice. We'll get into cornerback here a little bit later in this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert but he had a pass breakup on the final play of team drills that resulted in an interception by Juju Hughes. Okay so there was that and then there was Greg Dorch just like last year in camp, Dorch is consistent. He has a high motor. He's making plays. He's a difference maker. He had a great diving catch out of bounds from Clayton Toon, which brings us to the rookie quarterback because the hype train is officially leaving the station. Clayton Toon getting more first-team reps today at times. There was Jonathan Gannon meeting the media before practice, asked about Clayton Toon, and, and look, he qualified it by saying he's got a lot to learn. Every single day, he's got to learn a lot. But then he also went on to say about Clayton Toon, the fifth-round rookie quarterback out of Houston, that he's brutally honest with himself. When he makes a mistake, he has no problem citing it. Very to, important. Trying How many to times have you heard it. me talk yeah. about that right there? Tell the truth. Always tell the truth about yourself. Gannon saying also about Clayton Toon, I like that he can play fast. He has command of the huddle. You see the arm talent. So those are all the quotes that got sent out. Okay? But... On the front and back end, he also said he's still got a long way to go. He's still got a long way to go right there, Paulie, honestly. Listen, I think J.G.'s doing the right thing. I'm sure he's trying to give a little sugar to Clayton Toon right there. Give him a little confidence maybe, Paulie, right? Bring him along. Of course you want to do that. I just don't I don't see any scenario right now where Clayton Toon beats out Colt McCoy without even playing in a preseason game. <laughs> I, I, I just don't see that being possible at all. That's just me. And we talked about it with Drew Stan this morning on the Red Sea Report, Wolf. Even if Clayton Toon goes out and has a perfect passer rating in three preseason games, it's nothing 
like what he'll face in week one against Washington. Correct. He's not going to see anything in August that Ron Rivera is going to throw at him week one at Washington. There, he's not going to see anyone along the lines of Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Yes. So Colt McCoy in his 14th season, I agree with you. There's no scenario under which, unless, unless somehow, you know, Colt has a drop-off at age 37. Paulie, listen, once again, what I said is there's no way Clayton Toon is going to start before Colt McCoy, before a preseason game is played. That's what I meant right there. There, There's no way. You've got to throw Colt McCoy. I mean, not Colt McCoy. Clayton Toon, you've got to throw him, Paulie, out into the silks when the preseason games are going. And you've got to see how he's going to do. You've got to find out how he's going to play when the lights are on and the bullets, metaphorically speaking, are real. There's no way I see him starting until they play preseason games. And who knows? Hey, listen, if Clayton Toon goes out there and lights it up, if he goes out there and plays incredibly well in all three preseason games, um, the only thing I would say is it may shorten the pull, if you will, shorten the leash on Colt McCoy if, in fact, they're losing games in September. And here's the other thing we don't know on Colt McCoy. A year ago, when Kyler Murray was dealing with the wrist and then COVID, Colt got a lot of action. Yes. Ignored him a number of throws, and then they had to shut him down. So I think they're being ultra careful with a Colt McCoy this time around, which results in Clayton Toon getting extra reps with the first team. At least that's one theory. We'll see. You also see Kyler Murray out here talking with Jonathan Gannon a lot. And they'll be behind the defense, Gannon, watching everything. Kyla Murray standing next to his new head coach, and J.G. was asked today about those conversations. He's kind of a ball junkie, you know what I mean? He, uh, he wants to understand the why. Why is Rallis doing that? You know, why is Marco playing it that way? Why is this going on, you know? I try to educate him on those things. He wants to know defense, you know what I mean? Good quarterbacks do. So, And he's very intelligent. You can talk with him to a level of like he's a coach, you know what I mean? Because he's smart and he understands. And, and it's also, for me, really good for me to hear his perspective, Interesting. JG talking about Nick Rawls, the defensive coordinator, as the head coach and QB1, Kyler Murray, talking ball, watching the team drills. I absolutely love that right there because that's exactly what Kyler needs. Um, a head coach who totally understands defensive football to actually take Kyler Murray through the process of what is being called, the plays that they're running, the schemes that they're running, and why they're running, the why behind it all. This is part of the next step for Kyler Murray. Polly, you hear me talking about this all the time, that he's got to evolve his game. He's got to evolve his game going forward, especially from under center. Why are defenses doing this? What's the weakness of this defense? I think J.G. wants to talk to Kyler Murray through these plays to see how he's processing these plays. Is he seeing what he should be seeing standing there with J.G.? Very interesting to me. Because, look, for everything that Kyler has done in his career, he never had a chance to just sort of soak it in from the sideline. You know, kind of what can I learn through osmosis? What can I learn from a veteran quarterback that he never really had? As a rookie, he was the franchise quarterback, the starting quarterback from the moment he was drafted. So 
Is this an ideal scenario where he's coming back from a knee injury? Obviously not, but this is the one aspect of it that I think can be beneficial, especially if he's watching Colt McCoy run an offense that, guess what? Colt McCoy has run before. David Blau has run before. Yes. Kyla Murray to our knowledge, has never run anything quite like this scheme. There's no doubt, Bully. Once again, a lot of the shotgun and a lot of the spread offense that Kyler Murray is very, very familiar with, the decisions are made. You're, you're reading one guy, basically. You're reading the defense, nonetheless, but you're reading one guy in a gross simplification of the truth, and whatever that guy does, he makes up your decision for you this is a completely different offense this part of it they're still going to run the spread they're still going to have elements of the shotgun of course and pistol poly they're still going to do it all but now kyler maria also has to read coverage and that's the difference when you put him under center and you use play action he's going to have to read by the way is the dna of the drew petzing scheme on display right now in the hall of fame game the cleveland browns his former team, and what they're running. Do you think what we're seeing tonight, we're apt to see next Friday night when the Cardinals debut in the preseason against Denver? Yeah, that's a great question right there. I do believe, Paulie, right now, if you were to watch this game, if you were to break it down right now, you would see an awful lot of the schemes that Drew Petzing and the Arizona Cardinals are going to be running against the Denver Broncos on August 11th right here. You're seeing it right now. There's a lot of 12 personnel, two tight ends, right? One back, two tight ends, even 13 personnel. I've seen that already right now. They're mixing up the tackle zone where you're attacking the line of scrimmage, of course. They're also running some power plays. They do an awful lot of it. And once again, Paulie, that's really going to be important for the Arizona Cardinals to do that. It's going to be important because you got to get this stuff on tape. Paul, you got to get this on tape because then you can teach everybody. That's when you really learn when the silks are on and you're out there and you're playing football and it's live, it's full go, and you got the mouth guard in. You can break that tape down, man. And just because one guy makes a mistake, he's going to be able to teach a lot of other guys not to make the same mistake. They need tape. That's what they need. And that's why you need your, you might not be playing your starters, but you need your schemes to be on display for everybody so you can teach off of it preseason opener arizona cardinals hosting denver right here at state farm stadium next friday august 11th right and and it's a proverbial question right how much is too much to show in the preseason how much do you need you know but remember 2019 cardinals didn't get nearly enough action in the preseason and it showed that debut against the lions back with more on the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert goes Dalton on first down. Fires over the middle. The ball is tipped into the air and it's picked off at the 30-yard line. Running left to the 20. Marco Wilson to the 10. He high steps and then he does a flip into the end zone for the touchdown. Marco Wilson with a pick six and the Cardinals take the lead. 20 to 14. Boy, did you see Marco Wilson elevate on that? <laughs> Do that touchdown flip. What was kind of funny is they're showing the camera angle of Andy Dalton being upset, and in the background, you can see Wilson launching into the air like it's just part of the background. It looks quite humorous. All you have to do is Google it up. I just did. Front flip pick six was insane. Marco Wilson, and then there's all the memes. I mean, you talk about a memorable moment from last season. 
that meme of Andy Dalton in the foreground lamenting the pick six he just threw at the very moment that Marco Wilson is airborne in the background doing a flip into the end zone. Talk about sticking the landing and punctuating that big play. Marco Wilson with a ridiculous athleticism on display last year on Thursday night against the Saints. Paulie, honestly, that might be the most athletic thing I've ever seen on a football field. Seriously. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of great athletes. I've, I've witnessed it myself. I've seen a lot of games, of course. I've seen a lot of great athletes do some great things. That was one of the most athletic, raw, <laughs> athletic moves I've ever seen. The way he, he jumped at first and then flipped at the end. It was unbelievable how he did and the the vertical on that, the elevation, incredible. And then if you YouTube up what he did as a youngster, as a teenager. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, it really is insane. And what do they realize, call that, parquet, Polly? Yeah, is that what they call it go. right well, there, parquet? Well okay, I know you were big into parquet, Paul. <laughs> All I know is from the sideline, from ground level, you're like, okay, what is he doing? Where is he going? He took off at about the seven-yard line. It was like Michael Jordan taking off from the free-throw line in the slam dunk contest. <laughs> and then he flipped late. Once right, again, it was a right. late flip. It's almost like he vaulted and then figured out midair yes. what I'm going to do. So there you go. That's Marco Wilson, who at the time – was cornerback three. He's now cornerback one. Mm. Byron Murphy left via free agency. Antonio Hamilton, who won the number two corner job out of camp last year and then got it back by the end of the season. Well, guess what? He is now competing to be the starting corner opposite Marco Wilson, who has the insane athleticism. We've already established that. Here's the defensive coordinator, Nick Rollis. Uh, on a chat he had recently with cornerback one, Marco Wilson. You know, I've talked to Marco specifically and told him, like, you have all the ability to be a number one corner in this league, and that's what I expect. But, you know, I'm going to hold you accountable and try to get you better every day. Coach Smitty's going to do the same thing. JG's going to do the same thing. You know, JG's background is, is coaching those DBs, and he's responded great to it. How does he take that next step, Wolf? And how vital is it to this team, this defense, that he plays like a number one cornerback? Yeah, no, I think it's really, really important. I think when you talk about the cornerback room, you've got to start there. It really is. I know that we have been talking an awful lot about quarter, uh, cornerback number two and cornerback number three and whom, who it might be and who's going to be the starter opposite of Marco Wilson. Marco Wilson is somebody you can't just gloss over because he's got so much raw talent right now. He's got to take that next step forward. He's got to do that, Paulie. Nobody else can do it for him. Marco Wilson has got to be that guy who embraces the challenge of truly becoming a cornerback one, a CB1, because he's got that kind of ability. He's got that kind of raw talent and athleticism. He's got that. Now he's got to go out and pursue it, Paulie. It's got to matter to him, too. And that's where you got to start. Marco Wilson in his development before you can talk about anybody else. It's a game of matchups. How many times do we hear that? And so you're going week one against Washington, Terry McLaurin, Pro Bowl receiver. What are you going to do if you're Nick Rollis, the defensive coordinator? Sure, I guess you can throw a zone. You can have some help over sure. the top with the safety. Yeah, I guess you can scheme around it. But ideally, you'd love to throw your number one corner on an island out against the other team's number one receiver. Do the Cardinals have that ability? Do they have that player? Is he really cornerback two 
who's just going to be put in position of a number one corner, you know, what exactly do they have in Marco Wilson? Yeah, exactly. And even the old coaching staff would tell you, remember, Polly, they were trying to poke him a little bit, jab him a little bit in last training camp, as a matter of fact, to get him to respond. They wanted to see him get better. Hopefully, J.G. and Nick Rollis, they're not going to have to do that at all. He's going to be the guy responsible for getting better. But it all starts with Marco Wilson. After that, Paulie, it's going to be really interesting to me to see what they do. You know Keetrell Clark is getting an awful lot of reps. You talk about this all the time. Christian Matthew is getting a lot of reps as well. It's going to be really interesting. Antonio Hamilton, how is he going to factor in to this cornerback room and playing time as well? It's it's one of the positions I look at and I think of Jonathan Gannon immediately because he was talking about how competitive this training camp was going to be. He was going to open it up. He wants people to know there are no jobs here that are locked up. We're in a prove-it game. It's a meritocracy. The NFL, one of the biggest meritocracies on the planet. You've got to go prove your worth. You've got to go prove that you own that job. And I love that mentality. Where it's showing up the most? Maybe the corner room. And I tell you, if there's one position group where Jonathan Gannon has an expert opinion, it's corner. That's his position of specialty going back 10 years as an assistant coach, as a position coach. It's corner. You see him all the time during these practices, Wolf. We witness it. He's 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage looking at everything, and then he'll come running up and talk to a corner. And then he'll go back to his position as overseeing the entire practice. But he always has something to say to the various corners. And it is a wide-open competition behind Marco Wilson. In fact, Nick Rawls was asked about everybody else and just how close he might be to naming cornerback two. It's a young group with talent with with a high ceiling. And I like the way they show up and work in meetings. You know, there's a lot of detail to that position, to that technique. Those guys are technicians out there and you have to be obsessed with that spot and your craft. How close are you deciding on who's going to be the two? Not close. It's good competition right now. We got a lot of camp to go, and I got to see who's who's going to merge to to play certain roles. I'll give you an example. Today's practice: Greg Dorch making a lot of guys look bad. Mm. Uh, you know, like, one on ones like the Dorch, right? I mean, he made <laughs> he made so he made some plays, and then all of a sudden, towards the end of the one on one drills against the corners, Antonio Hamilton came up, press man right in his grill and he shouted him all the way down the sideline and he was right with him step for step so antonio hamilton who's actually the one guy older than his defensive coordinator 30 year old nick rollis he has that experience He's used every single year of his career. He's had to fight for a spot in the 53. Antonio Hamilton has that dog mentality, and he has the supreme confidence that he's been there and done that. And I'm curious, by the time we're done with Cardinals camp, if Antonio Hamilton doesn't end up right where he ended up last year as the opposite starting corner in this scheme. That's a possibility, Paulie. It really is right now. But I love Nick Rollins right there once again saying, we're not even close. (laughs) We're not even close to figuring out who's number two and number three. Boy, that sends a message to everybody that is fighting to be that corner opposite of Marco Wilson at this point in time. Christian Matthew, of course. Here's a guy that's got size to play on the perimeter, size to play on the edge out there. 6'2", 195 pounds. That's a big corner oh, yeah. right there, Paulie. And, you know, Keetrell Clark, I think, is is maybe a little bit better suited at 5'10", and 185 pounds, 181 pounds, somewhere in that vicinity. Maybe he's a little better suited 
suited to be that nickel guy in the slot. We'll see. Christian Matthew had a learning moment today. He was right there, step for step, stride for stride, his one-on-one. And at the very end, he got handsy. He got he got a hand up in the shoulder pad, and he got flagged because they have officials working it. And Nick Rawls came out and basically explained to him, that wasn't necessary. You're right there in coverage. Don't give him the flag. Don't give him the first down. Because you've seen Christian coaching. Matthew wear those oven mitts yes. when you get grabby. Yes. And, and so it's trying to teach those guys. Here's my other working theory when it comes to this. Well, how many times have we seen a three-safety scheme? Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, and Isaiah Simmons. What position did Isaiah Simmons play more than any other last year? Slot corner. Jalen Thompson can play in the slot. We know Buddha can play in the slot. So, you know, maybe there's just two corners and then that three safety alignment. Yeah, once again, let's just line Isaiah up in one position <laughs> and please tell him go play football. Will Hernandez next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We got a, a, a good group of guys that's just like great dudes that want to play football. Mm. So it's easy to mingle with the group. It's easy to interject young office alignment into the room and it'd be fun. Oh, man, me and Ferris are already clicking, man. Such a cool guy, very smart. We even have our own handshake going on already. Oh, there you no. go. Nice. Like, what is it? Well, I'll give you guys a clue. It's you, We wouldn't call it a handshake. We would call it more of a, a belly shake. Will Hernandez there with Wolf and Luke. Will Hernandez here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, and uh, we're also trying to figure out, should we try to evoke that visual there, Will? I'm not sure. The belly shake. I'm not sure if I'd, you know, should we just allow that to happen organically during the season? When would you bust out the belly shake that you described there? It would be like fourth and goal, and boom, you come off the ball and you punch it in. Would that be apropos? Yeah, definitely appropriate. But, um, you know, the belly shake is going to happen pretty much uh, at the start of every drive. Really? And that's that's just how we're going to set the tone in the huddle. Okay. As far as the right side. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I'm sure it's not something that everybody wants to imagine, but it is something that's going to happen. <laughs> Which, uh, I'm just going to be honest here, it leads us into our next question. Last we heard from you, um, let's just say that you're listing on the roster here, um, 332. True or false? It was false then. Are you any closer to the 332 now? Or in the interest of the belly shake, are you going to keep that classified information? (laughs) Well, the weight doesn't change anything with the handshake. It's still going to be there. It's still going to be just as electric. Definitely closer to that number. So we'll say true and false. Mm, Gotcha. Well done. All right. Will Hernandez is our guest. So your new right tackle, at least so far, has been Paris Johnson Jr., uh, how long does it tell you, take you to tell if a rookie can play? I was talking to some of the receivers. And, you know, players know players, right? I said, how long before you can tell a newcomer can play the spot? And they said, you know what? These veterans were saying, Michael Wilson came in. It took us one practice, half a practice, to realize, you know what? This kid can play. How about you when you see an offensive lineman for the first time? Uh, usually pretty quickly, uh, starting with their the way they think, their mentality, how they talk about the game, how they, you know, handle themselves what they do you know when something does go wrong uh usually gives you a good idea and then after that it's just after the first pad of practice really you can't it's hard to judge off of uh you know it's just helmets or when we're out there in shorts and otas um so i usually you know can tell right after the pad of practice but honestly i i had i I didn't even have to wait until the pad of practice with paris uh you know he, he proved himself uh earlier than that and you know i just had a gut feeling that he's just a baller mm-hmm. and you know it started all with uh the way he thinks and his mentality which i really like so 
Um, definitely a good fit for us. Definitely the real deal, and he's going to help us out for sure. I mean, he's a massive human being. He's athletic. And from what I can tell, he's intense. He's got a mean streak about him, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. So what do you think? That right side of the line. I mean, when it's when it's third and short and you guys, I mean, the two of you, it would seem like, you know, your chemistry. How long does it take to develop that chemistry that we we'll always hear about with offensive linemen? How long, you know, you, since you guys are brand new? You know, it's hard to tell. You know, it, guys can get it on the first rep. Guys can, it can take them a few weeks at the end of camp, whatever. Um, but with me and Paris so far, it felt like it's happened pretty um, right off the bat, organically. Didn't have to force anything, so it's been very, very good, very simple, very easy. Um, and then we're just building off of that right now because uh, we're never going to start, um, you know, thinking something's good enough. What's going to be his biggest challenge? Will Hernandez, our guest in the Big Red Rage, you're a high draft pick once upon a time. You know, he only knows what he knows. Yeah, he's going to find out when regular season games start. And you know what? Look at the first part of the Cardinals' schedule. I mean, look at your first game. You guys are going against Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Montez Sweat and Chase Young uh, right out of the gate. What is he going to find out about the NFL real soon? You know, he'll he'll find out real quick that, you know, uh, pretty much his best matchup that he ever had in college is going to be pretty much every snap now. And I think he he's he has a mentality to take it on. I'm not saying he's going to be perfect or I'm not saying it's going to be easy for him or I'm not making any predictions. I'm just saying based on knowing the guy personally, watching him practice, playing right next to him, I think he'll be able to handle adversity very well because it, at the end of the day it happens to everybody, all of us, no matter how good we are. He he talked about how um well, let's just put it uh, this way. How needy some of the veterans might be in the offensive line room that you guys have been pretty demanding when it comes to some of the, the requests for the rookies, be it the drinks, the snacks. <laughs> Somebody even mandated that the sandwiches be cut into triangles. Really? Really, Will? You know what? I'll go back to your last question. That's going to be the hardest part for him to understand. <laughs> um, he, he needs to understand that we have needs, and those needs need to be met. Who is the most demanding offensive lineman in that room? Uh, you know what? I'll give it to the to the vets, uh, Beach and uh, and Hump. Yeah, Beach is relentless, isn't it? You know, it? rightfully so. You know, these guys have paid their, their dues and been in, a, in the game for a while, so they get to do stuff like that. All right. So we know the chemistry between you guys. What about Clayton Adams, Chris Cook, the new offensive line coaches? How would you describe their philosophy so far? I think they're great coaches, very good personalities. They get along with us great right off the bat too. It was, it was something simple that we didn't have to we didn't have to force. Um, and I think these guys are very smart. These guys are very talented and you know picking stuff up quickly, working with us. Like they, I, f- I feel like they got it all. They're great coaches. They they make us better every day. And you could tell too that they they care. You know, it's very it's something that. Uh, most players can always tell right off the bat is if a coach is uh, is really into it or, or he he wants to make you think that he's into it. And these guys are definitely in 100%. When you look at the playbook for an offensive lineman, Colt McCoy has talked about just how different this offense is, right? Zach Ertz said, in fact, it couldn't be more different than what the Cardinals ran last year. <clears throat> how different is it for an offensive lineman, this scheme? No, yeah, they're, they're absolutely right. Um, this is a complete 180 from what we used to do. And, uh, you know, we're excited as far as an offensive line standpoint. Uh, we're, you know, anytime you tell us we're going to run the ball a lot more than we're going to pass or that we're going to, you know, they're going to they're gonna, uh, rely on us a lot more than they did last year, you know, that pumps you up. It, you know, it gives you something to work more towards. And uh, it gives you like this chip on your shoulder too. 
And that's exactly what we're meant to do. That's exactly what we want to do. And then at the end of the day, it's going to make everybody else's job easier if uh, if we can run that ball like the way we're supposed to. And uh, I think everybody's going to benefit off of that. Guys are going to start catching um, deeper balls. You know, we're going to make more explosive plays. You know, we're going to set things up. So uh, we're excited as an offensive line. And then I know all the everything that's going to happen from that. All the other positions are excited about too. Safe to say it'll be more of an attacking style for the offensive line? Yeah. Going forward? Oh, yeah. Because it, it, J.G. was asked about James Conner, my favorite quote of camp so far, and he, he talked about the strengths of James Conner. He said, I can't wait to see him behind our offensive line as we cram the ball vertical. That was Jonathan <laughs> Cannon. And, and I could just imagine every offensive lineman smiling because that's exactly what you guys want to do, right? You want to dictate to the defense don't you yeah exactly it just puts us in better position to not only help the team out but really you know play the game the way we want to play it you know when you go about resetting a team and a roster it it just seems to me and and look agree or disagree but the teams have been successful in flipping it quick like the Giants going from four wins to a playoff win Seattle going from last place to the playoffs they fixed the offensive line right you can have all the talent all the skill positions you want but if you don't have the offensive line intact and as a strength of the team, it just seems to me a lot of those other skill positions, nobody can ever get traction. You can't get it in gear. No, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I think there's a reason why there's five of us out there and then uh, at any other position there's not, you know. So that says a lot. I've always said it's it's on the offensive line to not only get us started and set the tone, but to finish games too and give guys a chance to be superstars. By the way, did Jeff Driscoll get some street cred? You're a backup quarterback when he filled in a tight end. I saw him in a non-contact jersey, yet he's in a four-point stance <laughs> right in the line of scrimmage in the trenches. What an athlete, right? <laughs> that was good. What else has stood out to you about this camp? You know, what about this coaching staff? Jonathan Gannon, we had Josh Woods in here, and he, he likened the culture reset that's gone on here to what he witnessed in Detroit with Dan Campbell. What have you seen? No, yeah. All I see is a bunch of guys who are extremely motivated, but not just motivated, but back up everything they're saying in those speeches. And you just feel this ambience of guys that care and actually like want to go and move forward and get better. And now we got guys, you know, working together, offense and D-line, offensive line, defensive line, talking after practice, talking throughout plays. You know, we're actually helping each other get better. It's not just a class, class, class. All right, we did our job. Let's go back. And like, no, everybody's like into it, into it. And, uh, you know, it's just something that you, you just feel by being around these guys every day. And it's hard to explain, really. But um, the only way you can really tell is, if it is, by, is by being around all these guys every single day and practicing and then going back, getting better, talking about it, and then practicing and going back and forth. Seems like everybody has their moment where they've been held accountable by either the head coach or the coaching staff. Zavin was the first one to really share his moment, right? Speaking of Zavin, what have you seen out of him as a pass rusher, as an outside edge guy? No, yeah, I mean, we've known he's always been a very talented uh player in Russia and you know they've been using him a lot more now this year and uh, you know we get to see him a little more inside and you know we we see firsthand what they're talking about you know he's a great player and we're glad he's on our team and he helps us get better on the outside with the tackles and on the inside now with the guards more than ever because you know we're not going to see very many guys that move like him and have you know strength and power like him so it's good work for us and uh, it's definitely going to make our team better and and himself better too. In your sixth year, what's the best and worst part of an NFL training camp? Will Hernandez. 
Is that an easy answer? What's the best? What's the worst part of a training camp? I would say the the best part is, you know, getting a, what was it, first round draft pick rookie <laughs> and getting all the sandwiches cut in your precise way. Right. And the worst, you know, um, just like always long days and all that, but it's it, there's also some, some good in that because you get to hang around these guys a lot more than you do anybody else, even even your own family. So you build really cool relationships and tight-knit relationships with a lot of these guys that end up being your friends and your boys and your brothers for life. Um, and it all really happens here in training camp. So, All right, as we wrap it up, how curious are you to see what some of these guys look like in a preseason game? You're a week away now or so. What, what are you thinking as you guys get towards that point? Oh, it's always a great time, you know, going out there and competing and then watching these new guys, young guys, go out there and, and, and earn their stuff too. It's fun to watch. So we'll uh, we'll be ready and get them ready. And we're ready for the run game, no doubt about it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, the play-action pass game. Will, thank you. Thank you, guys. There you go. Will Hernandez, our guest on the Big Red Rage. We continue right after this, all presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. You play for Dan Campbell. When about resetting the culture in Detroit? Do you see any parallels? To- oh, absolutely. The, a lot of the parallels that I see is no nonsense, but not micromanaging. And it teaches you to hold each other accountable as well as yourself. It's a fun environment. People want to be here. People want to do things right. You get rewarded for doing things right. Guys can buy into that. You know, you're not playing a game, smoking mirrors. You're being very straight up. And when you trust the coach, it's easy to play for him. So are you of the opinion that a team takes on the personality of its head coach? Did that happen with Dan Campbell, for example? I mean, yeah, I was biting kneecaps with one butt cheek. <laughs> Heck yeah. Hey, look where the Lions are now. They're right there in the showcase Thursday night game, week one of the regular season at Kansas City, a Lions team that won eight of its final ten games. And there was the special teams captain last year, Josh Woods, on the Red Sea Report this week. Paulie, did he say butt cheek? He did. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure yep. that's what he said right there. Okay. The out cue on the soundbite. <laughs> quote one butt cheek heck yeah <laughs> and that brings us back to the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert we are santan ford uh, the one thing you know about dan campbell of course and the detroit lions they were looking for specific men they were looking for specific players to play on that team Paulie. and uh, i think this is very similar to what jg is doing out here with his coaching staff so think about it they brought in kaiser white they brought in Zach Paschal. They brought in Josh Woods. Interesting how a number of these players they brought in do have that mindset you were just talking about. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. You mentioned Zach Paschal. Um, here's a guy who's a wide receiver, Paul. He's a wide receiver. He can play wide receiver in the National Football League. You, you can actually throw him the ball, and, and he'll catch the thing. And yet Zach Paschal, this guy is physical, as a wide receiver. Oh, yeah. Okay, remember Anquan Bolden. Of course, we all remember Anquan Bolden. You could have taken An- Anquan Bolden and lined him up as a fullback, and he would have been okay. He would have been able to hold up as a fullback. You could have put him as the weak side inside linebacker, and he would have been fine inside the box holding up against an ISO. You could have put him at strong safety and brought him down out of the secondary. and let him- He was a physical physical football player and that's exactly the kind of player no matter what position you play 
I think that's a prerequisite to being on this team. You've got to be physical. Before the Wildcat was all the rage, the Cardinals used Anquan Bolden, the former college quarterback, in the Wildcat. One, one game against the 49ers, and then Good it was point. interesting how the next season that became all the rage. So there's that. Okay. Yes, you're looking for that mentality. There's no question about it. There's no question that the head coach has been tasked with resetting this culture, restoring the accountability, which was identified in the offseason as being a problem last season. Josh Woods, he's been there and done that. Is there a bigger culture reset in recent NFL history than what Dan Campbell is doing with the Detroit Lions? They just sold out, by the way, their season tickets for the first time in Ford Field history. They have just started a waiting list for season tickets in Detroit. Think about that. Josh Woods, I asked him, you know, we heard it earlier, and then we followed up just talking about it. Dan Campbell, who's his own singular, unique personality. But what does Josh Woods see just in the intensity of a Jonathan Gannon? I haven't really seen it yet, but J.G.'s insane. I know it. I know it. He'll be talking and he'll get riled up, you know, things that you're passionate about. And, you know, he just... Every, like he's just explaining something to us and then all of a sudden like his face is red or veins are popping out of his neck and then he has to go and kind of woosah out of it and I'm like he's nuts he's nuts and I'm like and guys see it too and they're like I do not want to get on his bad side nuts in a good way well no. what what did Will Hernandez say about the two offensive line coaches that players can tell when guys are truly vested when it is truly meaningful to them, they have a passion for it, sure. or it's just their job and they're clocking in 9 to 5. Right, absolutely, Bali. No, you can see it. There's no doubt about it. And J.G. is genuine. He's got to be genuine always because your culture is genuine. And culture is what? It's the what you're going to do. Culture is the how. It's how you're going to do things around here, Bali. Culture is the why, why we do this around here. These are all things that you've got to reinforce on the field and off the field. On the field and in the the tape room. Off the field, of course, on the field. All of whatever it is that you do, Paulie, on a football team, you've got to reinforce your culture at all times. And I think when you think of the culture of this team, it's physicality, it's accountability, and it's discipline. Those three things in particular. In other words, Polly, if you're not a physical player, we're not going to bring you in. And this is where J.G. and Monty have got to be on the same page. We're not going to bring you in if you're not a physical player. If you don't think that way, there's no reason to bring you in. Accountable? If you're not accountable by the time you get here to the National Football League, you're not going to be accountable ever. You're not. You just got to know that. And those guys, sometimes you got to get up close to them. Sometimes you get you got to see it up close before you cut them and send them on their way because they're not accountable people. Discipline. You know what? Discipline and being undisciplined will get you beat in a game in a heartbeat. Those, those are the qualities you've got to look for in a human being, and that's where Monty Ossenford and J.G. have got to be on the same page. We were arguing earlier this week. I contended that Buda Baker is actually a better fit under this coaching staff than he was the previous. No doubt. That his mentality, that this new coaching staff is bringing everyone else up to Buda Baker's mentality. That's what they're demanding and requiring. And Buddha recently was just talking about his role and how, welcome, how much he has welcomed this new culture. 
I definitely believe that this coaching staff and Monty and the GM are developing a great culture here. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very excited for, you know, the things that they're doing and the things that, you know, they coach and the things that they preach throughout every single day. You know, it's definitely a blessing to to get that because my job is to continue to be consistent in the way I play, but also just trying to get that culture right. And, uh, you know, this coaching staff is, is a great staff and I, I believe we got it. So it's definitely uh, awesome for me. Yeah, it's awesome. And you know what? Buda Baker is the perfect model for the culture. You were talking about this, Paulie. He's the perfect model for the culture they want to instill here with the Arizona Cardinals. But it's interesting because we were talking about Dan Campbell, and he was on hard knocks. He was standing up, almost pleading after the first week of two-a-days, or the first week of training camp, I should say, almost pleading with his guys to understand why they're doing it, why they're doing it. See, that's the reason why you've got to have a general manager and a coach be on the same page because the GM has got to look for guys who have that physical mindset, who have that mentality so that when you bring them in and then JG says, okay, here we go. We're going to knock each other's face off. We're going to be really, really physical here. Then you don't have to have your head coach get up in front of the team and implore them to not revolt, implore them as to why you're doing what you're doing. You want guys who understand it from the get-go. Now, every guy you're going to bring in that door may not understand it, but, Paulie, it's really critical, it's really important that those two guys are on the same page. A week ago, J.G. was asked how he defines culture, and he just bottom-lined it. He said culture is, quote, how you behave on a daily basis. There you go. So when you hear him say winning behavior, that's what he's talking about. Is culture going to win you the game week one against Washington? No, not if you have inferior talent, but if it's a close game like most games are in the NFL, guess what? Maybe you're not going to be the team that's going to lead the league in pre-snap penalties like the Cardinals did a year Discipline, ago. Yeah. By the way, speaking of intensity, uh, about the red and white practice on Saturday, 1245 here at State Farm Stadium, Jonathan Gannis says, quote, it will be full tilt. Whoa. Special thanks, Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, Mitch Vereldis, Will Hernandez, our special guest for Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Number one, Tyler You've been listening to the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.